so I've got around with desire to not exercise by um, using my iPhone to watch things at the gym. Uh, so I will, I'm watching the Americans at the minute, which is a TV series, mm-hmm. like 45 minutes of cardio. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy, and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Siobhan McEwen. Joe was introduced to Siobhan by her husband, Siobhan's, not my dad, who was a friend of Joe's from when they were 14 and 15, so that's a long time ago. They haven't seen each other since they're about 18 or so but have reconnected in recent years via Facebook and Wendy, as Siobhan refers to him, shared Siobhan's book release on Facebook earlier this year, Joe knew she had to read it and get Siobhan on the show. Siobhan is a writer, editor, event organiser, public speaker and free software contributor and advocate. She is director of People Operations at Human Made, an internationally distributed web development agency. She's written extensively about technology, web development, work and free software. Her book, A Life Lived Remotely, Being and Work in the Digital Age, was published in March 2018 by Repeater Books. She's also the author of a book about the history of the WordPress free software project. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Siobhan McEwen of Human Made and author of A Life Lived Remotely. And there is another connection, which is that Siobhan's actually married to a very old friend of mine who I knew 30 years ago. And in fact, I haven't seen him probably for about 25 years. So it's it's really lovely to have you on the show, Siobhan. And also, I, um, in the meantime, well, this is our second recording because we had a bit of a problem with the internet the first time. And in the meantime, I've managed to read your book, A Life Lived Remotely, which of course was... Uh, particularly interesting because I sort of vaguely knew who you were talking about when you were talking about your husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a friend, so, I mostly said nice about him. So again? <laughs> I, I said nice things about him. You did, you did, exactly, exactly. So um, that was good. And then although on Facebook recently, he, he, I think he and you had a discussion about him being a bit grumpy and I thought, oh, I recognise that man. <laughs> yeah, he is a very grumpy man. I'm sure he'll let me say that. <laughs> He's very grumpy in a very philosophical way, as he always has been. So, uh, <laughs> so tell us a bit more about you then and what you do and a bit about your book as well. So I am currently Director of People Operations at Human Made, which is a fully remote web development agency. We are 63 people now and we're in about 15 different countries. Um, everybody works from home or from a home office or from a co-working space. And I am... I guess my general responsibility is making people happy, making their their lives easier when they work remotely, because that comes with all sorts of challenges, um, which I write about in the book. So um, 
the book, uh, A Life Lived Remotely, is about my experience of working remotely and also about how the internet has changed how we work and changed our lives. Um, so it uses my journey from when I first started working online up until um, when we resettled in the north of England to, as a frame just for looking at all of the different issues to do with remote work and the internet. Hmm. I found it particularly interesting, obviously, partly because I um, have worked from home for a long time. Obviously, the bit about um, D, as you called him, <laughs> um, yes. but also um, both of your backgrounds. And, you know, obviously, you as the author, particularly, it was the whole um, philosophy thing, wasn't it? I think. Is that, that your mm -hmm. degree? Yeah. So yeah. I, I recommended the book to a friend of mine who talks very much about the future of work. And I recommend mm -hmm. it as much as anything else, because I just think as you say, you've used your, your story to make it sort of autobiographical, which, which sort of connects people who like those sorts of books. But you've really put a lot of sort of deep thought and, and real sort of big thinking within it as well. And, and so I found it fascinating and, and uh, not quite what I probably expected when, when it was recommended um, on Facebook initially by your lovely husband. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. And people keep saying that they it's not what they expected. So I don't know how I could have done a better job of conveying that to people because people are like, oh, wow, I read it. And it's just not what I thought it would be. Yeah, I think it's just because of that sort of autobiographical bit. You sort of expect it's just going to be a story about somebody's life. And I, I think and actually, I don't know about it needing to be better conveyed because I think that's part of the joy of it it's the it's the depth that that comes out that you weren't expecting because you thought it was just going to be about somebody's life if you, if you sort of mean not that people's lives aren't deep but you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I mean I guess yeah my background is in philosophy and it's something which I still have an affinity for and think about and occasionally read philosophical books and I I've always thought that philosophy when it just stands alone it's just you know Mm. an academic discipline but you can use it to really think about the world and to look mm. at the world around you and try and think more deeply about about things that are happening not just to you but to the world so um yeah I think that's an important aspect of philosophy and, and it was nice to be able to use it in this context of looking at my own life and the internet and work mm, yeah definitely so let's start talking about why you do what you do because that does touch on some of the concepts from the book as well um because you went through a bit of a journey in terms of uh, you know, working from home and and now working for an organisation, but remotely and with people, other people working remotely. So, so why do you do what you do in the way that you do it? So I do my job because I love the company that I work for. Um, I, really, I like really love the company. I, I wouldn't say that I'm really passionate or excited about developing websites for people, but I am really excited about the company itself and like what we do. Um, and I think that work is changing. I mean, the world is changing so fast, even in the past 10 years. Um, and I just like enjoy thinking about that. And I think it's important that we do think about that and the repercussions for our lives. And I like to use what I'm thinking about to help to improve the working lives of everybody at our company um, who mm. you know, is dealing with the same challenges to me as me. Mm. And, you know, that's why I wanted to write about it as well is I felt like I'm someone like there's many people who were just placed to be um, we're at this transition period where we've gone from like 
traditional jobs to this sort of world of remote working or freelancing or, you know, relying very heavily on the internet for work. Um, and it's completely transformed our lives. So I really wanted to write about that and put a lot of thought into that and write a book about it. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I think um, you're, you're right. I think my own sort of interest and skills, it's probably a, the right time for me to be here on this, you know, as you were just sort of starting to touch on, on that, uh, you know, we've got all the people who who are coming through as, you know, digital natives and all that sort of stuff, and you, you are younger than me. <laughs> But um, not by much. <laughs> we have we have gone through the transition from you know the very beginning to wherever we're going to end up. Um, so it's an interesting um, you know period in in the world and 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 with technology and and we've been lucky to be able to see the whole bit. We've not just come in halfway through, sort of thing, have we? Yeah, I think it's comparative to sort of to industrialization and mass transport like Victorian periods where people things were changing really fast so um, mm. yeah mass transit systems and new means of communication and people were like completely astonished at how the world was changing and a lot of the things that people were saying um, are similar to what people are saying about the way the world is changing today so there's definitely similarities there um, to do with like if you read some old quotes from Victorians it's you know we're just overloaded with information and people are just don't know where to put their attention and it's just so similar to what people write today mm-hmm. and yet there's a there's a sort of a thought that that says that this is different and, and it's never happened before but as you say and you do talk about it in the book that that it it, it is more of the same it's just different <laughs> if you know what I mean yeah it is I mean there's you know things that repeat in history I and mean, it's similar to what's happened before and it's unique in its own way but um it's always interesting to look at, at how things are repeating and every generation thinks it's like living at the end of time and it's living through this huge transformational period and for the person living through that of course it is but if you look at the whole swathe of history you know it's mm. only with hindsight that you can tell if that actually was yeah yeah so what about prioritizing your your work and your life bearing in mind you work remotely and also because you talk about this quite a bit on your book I really I, I a lot of it sort of rang true for me you know the things like procrastination and and being distracted and, and all that sort of stuff so so tell me a bit more because I think you've reached a, a different stage and I'm, I'm sure you like me you'll say well I still do procrastinate and I still do let things get the way um but how do you get that balance given that you live at home and you've got children and you're you know working for an external organization but you're doing that all from a home environment so one of the most important things that i do and i think give advice to people about doing is creating boundaries it's so important to create boundaries between what when you're working and when you're not working so everything else that goes on in your life and there's lots of different ways to do this so i i have a a home office but I actually have an office outside the home as well which I go to because when I've got kids around it's just you know if they know that I'm in the house they want to see where I am and annoy me mm. um but you, it's not just going out you can establish temporal boundaries so you, you know I start work at nine and I finish work at four or five um and you focus on work um it could be something like putting on a pair of headphones so that when you've got a set of headphones on that means you're working I, I used to do that in coffee shops I would sit with headphones on with no music just 
that I would like it would help me with focusing on 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 what I was doing. Um, I mean, I would say the thing that's focused my mind the most is having kids, because when you've got kids, like your time is so precious. They take up so much of your time. So when you're not, you can't let your work drag on into the evening because you've got to finish by a certain time in order to get the kids dinner and put them to bed. Um, but I wouldn't recommend having the kids as a cure for procrastination. <laughs> no, that. neither would I. <laughs> <laughs> but as you say, it does it does tend to provide that focus. It's like I was saying to you at the beginning of the call, it's the summer holidays at the moment and uh, your, your children aren't at school yet, are, you, are they? So uh, no. you're not sort of dealing with that. But um and you know Ellie's 12 now so she's a lot more self-sufficient in fact she's just uh, popped off to do some pottery painting with our French students so uh, oh. a lot more self-sufficient uh, yeah. but even so you know, yesterday we went and did a treasure hunt in Canterbury because we need to entertain the French student and obviously you know Ellie needs to enjoy her holidays and I, I went to bed last night thinking oh and I didn't do this and I didn't do that and oh I've got so much to do and then I had to sort of remind myself that actually spending that time yesterday was really valuable and fun and you know all that sort of thing um and that I will always get done what I need to get done somehow <laughs> you do yeah and it's so easy for work to take over the rest of your life and I, I I write about this a lot in the book and that that happened to me I was working all of the time um and I guess in the end it's 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 just a job and jobs change you know I've been through various different um, different jobs and things that seem really important at one point in time don't necessarily always seem as important a few years later um, but there are mm. some constants in your life which is like your house and your family and you know all the things that you love and you surround yourself with and I think it's so important to not let those things slide because they will remain throughout your career they will always be there um, mm. so to work on them too yeah so from a sort of day-to-day -day point of view in terms of getting things done how do you manage those tasks you obviously as you say you've got your boundaries you know when you're working and when you're not how do you then make sure you get done what you need to get done well our team I work on the operations team and we have created we work in two-week sprints so that kind of works quite well for us to conceptualize our work um, it's fairly arbitrary um, in that, you know, we choose what we assign to the sprints and everything, but we aim to get various things completed within a, a two-week block, which is quite useful because we have all of our, we use GitHub for tasks, so we have like ta loads and loads and loads of tasks, and then we assign ones to work on in that sprint and aim to get them finished by the end of that sprint, which which helps with prioritization because it means you know that the other ones are there and you will get to them, but you know exactly what you need to focus on for the next couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm someone who works much better with deadlines and pressure. Um, so I really, I like having pressure on me to get things done. I like having deadlines. Um, if they come from someone else, it's much better than if they come from me. Um, <laughs> my deadline for finishing my book was having a baby. That was a pretty good deadline. <laughs> I had to get it finished before the baby came. That's a pretty definite deadline, although vaguely movable, but not too much. Um and then in terms of big tasks, so whether it's writing a book or writing a strategy piece or whatever I'm, I'm doing at work, it's um, breaking that down into really small manageable tasks that are very actionable. Mm. So um, if I have something big to do, I'll break it down into a list that um, is things that are like research, whatever I need to research, write however many words or 
right on this topic um and so i break it down as to be very very granular because i get a lot of satisfaction from ticking things off a list so when i tick them off i just feel i feel really good about it and i can see the progress of what i'm doing as well mm-hmm. so i'm interested in um the so the sprint stuff presumably has come about because you work in a, a tech company and and mm-hmm. you know the website stuff and everything else how have you aligned your people work if you like the the, the stuff that you're doing with that sprint uh structure because that that i could see that some people wouldn't do that that, that the organization would be doing that but actually stuff that wasn't about delivering to a client wouldn't be put into the same sort of structure but you clearly have done that so how how does that work so we say have a two-week sprint i have my list of big jobs that i'm doing on so i'll have like i'm trying to think i've got engagement survey i need to run i'm running some workshops i'm redoing how we do onboarding so i'll have all of those in our um in our you know task repository basically and then at the start of the sprint, I'll say I'm going to do this and this over the next two weeks. I'm going to forget about the other things. So I need to prioritize things. I need to know what the top priorities are for the company. And then I just focus on those things for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gives me a deadline and it gives me the focus that I need. So I'm not thinking, oh, I've got to do this other thing as well. And this other thing, this other thing. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, yeah, it's it's not really a natural fit for the type of operational work that I do and the rest of my team. But. Actually, it has really helped with focus. Mm. Um, and yeah. I guess you're then fitting in with the sort of reporting timescale structures that everyone else is following as well, which, as you say, creates that sort of deadline too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, mm. it works quite well. Yeah, I like I, I, I like the granular thing. I'm very like that as well with tasks. In fact, I um, popped over to my friend who lives opposite earlier with some screen wipes, and she said, oh, well, that's one job done as she cleaned her screen. I said, Have, is it on a to-do list? Because if it isn't, go and write it down so you can tick it off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. I feel really good about it. I love it because we use GitHub, which is a, I mean, it's a code repository tool. It's not really for doing issues, but because we use it across the company, we've been using it. And I just yeah. love opening a ticket and then closing it straight away because I've done it. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so, what about tools and apps then? As a, a tech person for for the all these years, what would you say your top tools and apps are? Um, I mean, I use so many, so many. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just the top twenty-five my, will do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, start. The absolute top is uh, a notebook and a pencil. That is like my absolute top tool. Like I do write down lists of what I'm going to do, and I find that that physical um, presence of that list to be much more motivating than uh, online tools. I mean, again, I write about this a lot in the book. The tools I have been through, I was like, I couldn't even count them all um, yeah. because I love setting up a new tool. I love like setting up a new complicated categorization system for all of my work. Um, so I've been through a lot, but ones that have stuck, um, other than my notebook and pencil, there's a Chrome, um, add-on, they're called add-ons, called Mindful. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, no, I um, haven't, no. So if you open it, when you, I don't know if you use Chrome, but when you open it, it's got a new tab. So mm-hmm. what it does is it creates a little to-do list in that tab. So every oh. time you open a new tab, it shows your to-do list and you can like tick things off on that. So that's quite mm-hmm. nice oh, yeah. for, yeah, and I use that for. Does has nice pictures, but also has links up to my to-do list. So yeah, similar sort of concept. Yeah. Oh. I must mm-hmm. check that out. 
Yes, check that out. It's got lovely photos, and, and you're a bit of a traveller, aren't you? So that will appeal to you. <laughs> yeah, I might try that. I love switching apps. Um, another one I use at the minute is Bear. I don't know if you know that. Um, no. Did you say Bear? Oh, it's a, yeah, Bear. B-E-A-R. Okay. Um, I have started using that, I guess, in the last uh, six months. It's a writing app, basically. So I used to use apps like Byword and IA Writer, which are just basically very basic text editors mm -hmm. where you can like write notes. And I, I much prefer to using that than like a word processing program. Um, but I was finding I'd have 50 things open, 50 notes open on my screen. And Bear is like one app where it sort of keeps them all and you can use tagging and things like that to organize them. Um, yeah. So that's really nice. It just means I don't open my computer and have a million windows open. It keeps all of my notes and stuff in one place, mm -hmm. which I really like. Yeah. Um, and then other things, that, that's probably the main things that I use. Um, I'm just gonna have a look at my phone. <laughs> yeah. I, I Slack every day. I mean, it's so common yeah. now to use Slack. Um, that's probably and Zoom and things like that for work. But yeah, I would say yeah. that for my own personal work. Oh, and Scrivener. I wrote my book in Scrivener, which I love. Which is a yes. really good. Yeah. <laughs> you see, book there's book. a real writing theme here, isn't there? Pens I and know. paper. Away <laughs> writing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I have I've got like a bunch more um sort of HR and culture tools now but um mm -hmm. they're more company related so. yeah 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 cool so what about other people helping you to get things done so you know in work and, and also at home do you are you good at delegating at, at sharing at not taking everything on yourself yes or not <laughs> I love delegating. It's really important. Um, the person who helps me the most is Dee, Darren, my husband, yeah. your your um, former, your, your friend from childhood friends. Let's say. <laughs> he um, has many roles in our family. He drove he drove for my dad. He probably hasn't told you that. He drove for my dad when he lost his driving license for a good few months. So uh, <laughs> he probably knows my dad more than me in the end. But <laughs> um, he is a stay-at-home dad most of the time. He does a few other things, writing and editing now too. But um, like, if he wasn't doing that, it would be very difficult for me to do my job. Um, yeah, and also impossible for me to write the book. Like, I got up every morning. I'm most productive in the morning, like first thing before breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, so I would get up every morning at half six, seven o'clock to write for an hour, an hour and a half, and he would get up with with our son. And I couldn't have, so I couldn't have written the book without him. No. Um, and then, yeah, work. So much, most of the stuff I do now, um, I'm like the only person doing it in the company. Um, mm -hmm. we're, I mean, we're only 60, 63 people. We're not huge, so it doesn't require that I have a big team to do it all. Yeah. Um, prior to doing this role, I used to run our events team. Mm -hmm. um and yeah I did I delegated as much as possible I think delegation is so important um I think if you want to ever get into a leadership role or management role you need to know how to delegate well and you need to be comfortable delegating mm -hmm. um and that, that can be difficult so when I started out having to delegate to people you know if you're a competent person you're good at your job it can be hard to pass things over to other people, especially if they do things differently to how you do them. Yeah. So you, you need to get to the point where you accept that other people are, may do things differently, but they'll probably do them just as well as you would do them yourself. 
Um, I was say, it's difficult for us control freaks uh, in the world yeah. to <laughs> <I know. laughs> do you, What about from a sort of remote working point of view? You know, the, the, the sort of differences there are in managing people that you can't see. How, how do you see that playing out in terms of delegation? Not necessarily you know, your own delegation, but your, in your experience of, of, of you know, leaders in that sort of environment? You have to really establish trust with other people on your team if you want to delegate with them. And that comes, I mean, it's, you know, there's an additional barrier when you work remotely with people to establishing mm. trust because you're not getting that time to spend with yeah. people. So we do find that like meetups and company retreats and stuff are really important for establishing those kinds of relationships. Um, mm. I think you also have to build a company culture which really empowers people to, to take ownership of things. and. Yeah to get on with things and to fail like you need to create an environment where failures it's okay for people to get things wrong um they'll learn from it they'll move on and they'll do it differently next time it's you know that's mm. all part of like running a business or working and mm. um, so that's i think that's really important um so yeah at a company level you have to put a lot of work into really building a culture where there is that trust and there is that um uh, psychological safety for people mm. and is that thing around um performance as opposed to sort of being able to see it sort of thing you know it's end result isn't it a lot of um yeah. leaders you know feel confident because they sit next to the person that's doing the work because they can see them but actually mm -hmm. they're probably you know not looking at the the sort of output any any better than they might if they weren't sitting next to them but that that gives them some sort of um security blanket that the person's working because they're sitting at their desk but actually when you can't see them you've got to be very much about what what they're supposed to be producing don't you yeah i mean often it doesn't matter how the work gets done it's like what you know has it achieved the results that you want and if it has like however the however the person did it doesn't mm. doesn't really matter so i think that's a really important aspect of, of working remotely you know it's not mm. about putting a, a suit on and going into an office every day and you know reporting what you do for the minute it's about what the work that you're actually producing and um mm. so we we are you know we focus on that a lot rather than you know what people are doing every day yes yeah yeah so what about um self-care what about how you look after yourself um is it something that you think about you do well how, how do you keep healthy and look I don't, think, I don't think I do well enough um, and I'm trying to get better at it because I now I realize how exhausted I feel running around after my kids <laughs> um, it's really hard at the minute because you know I get up in the morning with the kids and then I work and then I look after the kids and then it's like bedtime and mm. so fitting in exercise and things like that are quite hard um, but I before we're away at the minute for six weeks my house has been re renovated but before I went away I was exercising regularly um, mm -hmm. e either like at lunchtime or sometimes in the evening um, I think sleep is really important so I go to sleep by about 10 or 11 every day mm -hmm. um, I also <laughs> <laughs> no I wish I had a daily nap that would be nice <laughs> Um, something I try to do, I'm not always completely successful at, is I am aware that if I read anything to do with work with, you know, an hour or two before bed, that I'll be thinking about that when I go to sleep. So I try very hard not to, like, look at anything to do with work after about yeah. 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. I think that's really important. Otherwise, 
I just, I just find I can't sleep very well. Um, mm-hmm. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I've dreamt about this work thing, which is not important. Um, no. So that, that is, I think, is important. Yeah. So do you do you schedule like you say doing sort of exercise during the day or whatever? Do you do you particularly schedule that things? I I know with myself, I I sort of think I should do it in the morning because then it's out of the way and I I won't think of an excuse not to. But then on the other hand, I think oh. I'm not so productive in the afternoon maybe I should go walking in the afternoon but then I'm always too busy and I think of 25 reasons why I can't possibly leave the office now (laughs) yeah I so I've got around with desire to not exercise by um using my iPhone to watch things at the gym uh so I will I'm watching the Americans at the minute which is a tv series Mm -hmm. 45 minutes of cardio Ah, that's a good one (laughs) only watch it at the gym so if I'm not going to the gym I don't get to see what happens Ah. uh, yeah I have to do something like that because I hate I don't enjoy exercise yeah I I, I do like watching tv I I convinced myself that listening to podcasts when I walk was going to incentivize me but I've just decided that I don't like listening to the podcast that much anymore (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um yeah I mean I Mm-hmm. Another thing I used to watch or is reality TV, which I would never watch at home, but I love it. So I watch it at the gym <laughs> and it feels like, you know, I'm doing this virtuous thing and I'm doing this thing that I don't generally have the time to do. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so what about relaxing? You said sleep is important and not reading things before bed that will keep you thinking. What what other things do you do to, if you have any time, you have got two young children. Let's, let's build that one in. <laughs> yeah. You go to the um, beach. I know you go to the beach. I see the photos, the lovely photos. I take the kids to the beach. That's not relaxing at all. Um, <laughs> I'm relaxing relaxing. When, <laughs> yeah, it's relaxing once I go to bed. So I guess the two things I do at the minute to relax is, I mean, I read a lot. I love reading, so yeah. that's a big thing. Um, and then I, after many years, have taken up the piano again. So oh, I, um, I have, as soon as the kids go to bed, I've, practice for about an hour an hour and a half every day um mm-hmm. and that just helps me switch contexts from like work and kids to just like downtime and it gives me a lot something to focus on and you know I really like that it's just completely different thought processes that are used for practicing piano as there is to everything else that I do so yeah I'm really enjoying it how quickly the practice um comes to fruition isn't it I, I, I mean I don't play the piano very often but I often do it when I'm waiting for the kettle to boil but I do notice the weeks where I play you know every day I yeah. get better very quickly it's interesting isn't it yeah I mean it, it's um I'm surprised by how quickly I've picked it up again yeah um, I mean I've got loads of work to do but it's I'm just really enjoying being able to play it and mm. you know, learn new things and, so that's great it is funny, I was saying to someone the other day about the concept of practice. I was going, you know, it works. You do get better very quickly. It's like, who knew? <laughs> Practicing is a good thing. <laughs> the thing with writing, if you write every day, you get so much better as well, yeah. which I'm not doing at the minute. I'm not writing every day because I have children. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm saying that like I've ever gone running at all, and I, I haven't, so I'll, I'll, I'm agreeing <laughs> along with you, but uh, no, it's not my thing. <laughs> so what about... Um, learning and improving yourself you said you like reading I'm guessing that uh, forms a part of it what sort of uh, things do you do to move things forwards this is where you get all philosophical (laughs) I'm trying to think about that I mean I think the most improving thing that you can do is to read fiction I think fiction is just a wonderful thing which you know you're not just reading about something but you're actually experiencing the world through 
know, the protagonist or whatever the, the world the author's created. Um, and I think there's so many different types of fiction as well. I, I read so widely everything from like science fiction to literature to crime or crime novels or you know, all sorts of different things. And you just, there's so many different perspectives on the world. Um, and so I think that that, I think if everybody read and literature it would be it would be a great thing for everybody to do have you got any tips for people finding different things to read because i i read a lot but i tend to read you know um thrillers or historical sagas and that's about it i, I don't tend to read other stuff because i guess because i haven't partly got the time and because i don't have a a system i suppose for finding it yeah, I've never read a historical saga and would like recommendations there. Actually, I've been thinking, oh, I'd like, I've not read historical novels, but I would love to know. So there you go. <laughs> but, um, my top tip on that one is the Jacob, Jacobite Chronicles. They're about six books and uh, it's it's got a bit of crime and thriller built in, but it is actually about the, um, obviously, the Jacobite times. So that, that's my top tip on well, that, that one. That's great because... Um, <laughs> I, I love a good series of like six books. Yeah, um, it was unlimited at Christmas and that's what I read through the whole holiday. <laughs> yes. um, I use Goodreads a lot. So yeah. I will stalk people I know on Goodreads and see what they're reading and think, oh, that looks quite interesting. And then I add it to my own list. Um, mm -hmm. I What else do I do? I ask Dee for recommendations. Yeah. he reads a lot too and I sometimes I go to Facebook or Twitter and ask people for things um, when I ask people at work it's really asking for personal recommendations although a lot of the time it's based on on the cover and the the blurb I'll just read the blurb <laughs> well, and I'll read it <laughs> I know but I do it's terrible things to do especially since I have a kindle so I never actually see the cover really anyway but um I do look at the pictures on Amazon and go oh that looks that looks like my type of thing that doesn't look like which is a terrible way to judge things um <laughs> but then in some ways that's probably why you get to read different types of books because you're using a a, a less um oh, i don't know what the word would be but you know you're you're choosing for reasons other than genre or whatever um and that's possibly why you get to read you know around a bit more maybe i don't know she yeah. says putting a positive spin on it for you <laughs> I mean, I, I, just, I do like lots of different genres, so that's mm. so that's good. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, what annoys me the most is bad writing. So if it's good writing and it's any genre and it's got a good story, I'm generally mm -hmm. happy to read it. So like me, you you would give up a book if it was rubbish, would you? That's what I do now. Yeah. I never used yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Life's too short for terrible yeah. books. Why would you spend like weeks trips and it stops you from reading something else which you might love yeah opportunity cost yeah good point good point <laughs> <laughs> so what about um routines rituals habits have you got specific things that you do to make sure you get stuff done or to make sure you are going to bed on time or whatever that sort of thing um i think i've mentioned both of them already so the if i'm writing um like working on a, a big piece of writing, I will get up in the morning before anybody else in the house and go into my office and work for about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, find that I, I'm most productive in the morning. And also I agonize about writing and I'm, I'm a terrible writer because I'm like, oh, I hate writing. Writers always say shit, stuff like this. Um, so I like to get it done out of at the start of the day. And then I have a, a good sense of achievement as well. It's like I feel like I've been productive already. Um, 
And then, yeah, my current routine at the minute is to wind down, is to to practice the piano. That helps me um, helps me switch off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I always read when I go to bed. So even yeah, if it's half too. a page and I have to pass out, but I, I have to read to go to sleep. Yeah, so do I. I was thinking the other day, it's ridiculous. Sometimes I've had a few late nights because I've been balancing the, you know, summer holidays and getting stuff done. And I end up in bed at like... 1.30 and I'm a night bird anyway so that's not unusual but I, I know that I've got to get up too early the next day for going to bed that late but I still have to get the book out otherwise I can't sleep <laughs> yeah I'm the same I'm exactly the same I have to and you know even with the kids when I was up with my with my one-year-old or when she was six months old I would still write read even after my eyes were glazing over I'd be like falling asleep yeah um, middle of yeah. the night time <laughs> and then you have to reread it the next day because you can't actually remember what you read exactly <laughs> So what about on a day where things don't go right? What do you do? Um, things often don't go right. <laughs> I mean, you're going to say, define what go right means. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm wondering that. But um, <laughs> when you've got little kids, I, I'm sure you understand anyone with little kids, is like things often don't go right because you've at the vagaries of them. Um so if I'm at home trying to work and there's like meltdowns in all corners, that is quite stressful. Um, and yeah. I tend to, I'm really lucky that the company I work for is just so understanding. So if I've got a problem like that, I'm just like, I just can't work today. And they're just like, just, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I really, um, I do have the luxury of being able to just, um, to really step away and focus on things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I tend to, if there's a problem at work, or anything like that. I tend to try and just deal with it head on. I find that, especially when you work remotely, if problems fester, they just become much worse because there's no face-to-face -face time. So people yeah. are putting so much of their own like prejudice and perceptions into what has happened. And they're just sitting by themselves and wherever they are noodling about it. So I always think it's better to, to deal with those sorts of things head on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you get that sort of thing where when you're in the room with someone and annoyed, then you can't keep that up for a long time because yeah, it's obvious. Exactly. But when you're separate, it's quite easy to keep up if you try really. Well, you don't even have to try yeah. really hard. <laughs> no, you don't have to try hard, but then it becomes toxic, like not like yeah. not just for you and the relationship, but you know for everyone around you. So mm. it's really important to deal with those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about a day where you end the day knowing you've had the chance to live more? And that's how uh, what I describe as of getting to do the things that you want to do, not the things that you feel you should do or you have to do. What, what have you done? What did your day look like? So I've got up in the morning and I've written and it's just been one of those days where you just write down and it feels like you're not even writing yourself. It's just like coming out of you. It's like coming from somewhere. Um, and that's I've done that in the morning. Then I've had breakfast. Then I've probably gone scuba diving um spent <laughs> spent the uh, yeah morning scuba diving which is my favorite thing to do and you um, talked about that in the book I remember when you yeah. were off traveling that's when you learned to do that wasn't it I think yeah yeah we did we basically spent six months diving almost every day um and it was amazing wow. it's an incredible thing to do but it's very um meditative so you're you're so focused on being under the water and being completely switched off and just floating mm. that it just completely abstracts you from the rest of the world so I just absolutely love it for that reason that reminds um, me of um uh, Michelle who was on Michelle Smith who was on an earlier podcast and she's a mountain leader and she had uh -huh. just done the 
uh, oh, I think I can't remember what it's called now. Um, the Yukon something thing in Canada, like snow trekking mm-hmm. for X amount of days on her own. And, and it's funny because that's the sort of the same thing that she was saying, that just that absolute silence, nobody around on her own in nature clears her head. And that's what you're sort yeah, of saying absolutely. as well. That's exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and it's crazy that you have to take these extreme measures to completely, <laughs> you know, get away from the world. But I mean, it does, because I guess because you're doing something which is a little, you know, it takes focus and concentration. Um, it, you know, it could be dangerous if you're not um, completely focused on what you're doing. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. that, it, that does tend to focus the mind. So, yeah, yeah I would be doing cool. that for most of the day and then I would eat something yep. amazing because I love eating eating is like <laughs> the best thing in the world um and I would probably crack some really difficult piece of music that I've been trying to play um as well that would love be a good that. day <laughs> brilliant brilliant excellent well thank you so much for joining me Siobhan it's been so lovely to talk to you especially since we haven't met and we haven't really had a conversation and uh, and uh, there is that connection and we will meet one day (laughs) even though we're one day we we used to live near each other as well didn't we (laughs) I know we never got got it together (laughs) so how can people find out more about you and connect with you and get the book and all that sort of thing so the book is on Amazon and other books bookstores. Um, if you search for "A Life Lived Remotely," which is probably easier to spell than Siobhan McKeown. Um <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Siobhan P McKeown, and you can find me on my website, SiobhanMcKeown.com, which is not updated very often. Um, or you can find out more about Human Made at our website, which is HumanMade.com. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Great, thanks very much. All this information is available in the show notes on the website. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 75, then you'll get to see those notes. And just a quick reminder that I'm in the middle of my challenge for September, which is all about avoiding burnout and fatigue. And uh, if you go to joedodds.com forward slash challenge burnout, then you can sign up for the challenge. It isn't very challenging. You just get a daily quick email from me with a link through to a blog post uh, with some uh, tips and strategies for you to use to think about avoiding burnout yourself and reducing fatigue. And also there's a Facebook group so that you can share how you're finding the challenge. So please do pop over there, joedodds.com forward slash challenge burnout and or feel free to share it with your friends and family who you think may benefit from it. And again, the link for this show is powertolivemore.com forward slash 75 and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more. 